I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. The Pentagon's expanding inquiry into the existence of UFOs over this planet. Riots, protests, and revolution and human energy and the possible manipulation thereof. What do those three things have in common? You may be surprised, my friends. Dennis Nappy II here with Sixth Sense Media. Welcome to another episode of The Seeker Podcast. Once again, it's been too long since I've been on the air, but I am not gone, not forgotten. I've just been tracking things behind the scenes and quite busy piecing some things together. I've got a great show set aside for all of you today. Some words of caution, some words of hope, and some pieces that I'm going to put together as I see them. As always, I think so many platforms out there are saying, the world is going crazy. And as we turn on the news, which I do so infrequently, I'll tell you, whenever I visit someone and they have the news on, not lately, all the time. Within three minutes, I'm depressed. Like you just hear negative, and it's not just... It's not just the content of the story itself. It's the music behind it. It's the tone in the actors' voices. And look, I get it. As somebody who's on the air, an on-air personality, we want people to be interested in what we're saying. So we put our voices in certain inflections. But that constant fear-based negative frequency that's out there is not healthy for us. And I need us to be mindful of our energy. Now, my last show, I encourage you to go back and listen to previous podcasts that I've put out there. I've always covered scary stuff, but I always try to give us that grounding solution piece as well. And we need to be mindful of our energy. Now, I will be the first to admit I'm sitting here raising my hand like you guys are watching me. I'll be the first to admit I have struggled. I have struggled since before this lockdown pandemic hit, and I still have my really bad days because too much stuff gets in my head and I get overwhelmed with what's going on. So my greatest challenge right now is owning the statement of there are things that I can't control, but I can control my reactions to them. But it's so hard because it feels like lately there's so much that is out of our control and it's it can be scary and it can be defeating. So my homework has lately been trying to recognize, hey, I can't control this. I just need to go with the flow. And I wonder, do any of you struggle with this? I, I know people who are religious and this isn't a negative thing on religion, but they say it's God's will, it's in God's hands and whatever... God needs me, he's going to do it, there's a reason for it. That always makes me mad. Now that statement is no different from someone like me with my beliefs saying, you know, it's up to the universe and the universe is going to dictate what's going to happen. Now my personal beliefs at this moment in time, which are different from years ago and which will probably be different, you know, a few months to a few years from now because they're constantly evolving. 
But as I see it right now, we exist in this matrix reality that's basically one giant AI consciousness brain. Or system. Or data collection, whatever. Something I'm not even capable of processing right now. But it's highly intelligent. And I suspect that it orchestrates things on a level that I am incapable of orchestrating because it has so many nodes that are out there processing information, disseminating things, and putting things in place to influence outcomes and events. So that's my current world view. I also, if you read some of my earlier work, look at the design of this existence that we're in, and suffering is a component of that. Looking at the work of Bob Monroe, it's to produce a substance called louche. Louche is an energy that is generated from things like suffering, sadness, loneliness, and fear. Let me bring you back to the fear-based media that we constantly see. It keeps us in that state because we are producing an energetic nourishment that serves this system that we are a part of. Listen, friends, I'm going to give a couple of references to my book tonight, Food for the Archons. I'm not just trying to sell books. I wrote this book for a reason, and I see things unfolding now, and I look at, oh my gosh, this is in the book, and it explains it perfectly. So please forgive me. I'm not trying to come from a place of ego, but I wrote this as a tool to use for times just like this. So I will refer to it, and I do refer to it, but I'm not just trying to say, hey, buy my book, hey, buy my book. I I, I hate being that. I haven't done a single interview about my book, for the record, yet. Um, I'm getting sidetracked here. But I do have some relevant things that I want to pull up in my book. One chapter I'm going to read to you in a little bit that's highly relevant to some of the UFO investigations and the mob mentality we're seeing and the dangers we are facing. Now, I'm not giving you a fear-based statement to sell a product. This is just how I see things as I'm trying to interpret. And a uh, quick plug, too, if you're not following Dick Allgaier's YouTube channel, that will be my first interview about food for the Archons. Uh, Dick will be having me on his channel at some point in the near future to discuss this book and crypto viewing. So look for that to come. I'll have more information on that as we get closer to it. Okay, so let's get uh, back to what I was saying, and I rambled so much I lost my train of thought. Okay, so given the craziness that we see in the media, on our social media feeds, there are things that are spreading like wildfire. Some of the stories I have covered or touched on, one of them I talked about last week. Now, all this human trafficking stuff is starting to come out in the mainstream, Society, global society, and let's look at American society right now as a whole, is in a very vulnerable state. I would say they are in that lower vibrational state. Now, I once had someone challenge me saying, what does lower vibrational mean? I couldn't really give a good answer. I had just heard it all the time. Years later, I reflected on that question. Lower vibrational, you're talking about your chakra systems, your energy systems, the frequencies that they produce. Your lower chakras, your core chakra, your root chakra, the ones down from like your navel area down to your groin area, those are your fight or flight chakras, your sexual energy chakras, um, you know, kind of your gut feeling, survival instinct type of chakras and energy that's produced there. When you're in a state of fear, you're producing and accessing those energy points to interact with things around you. Speaking of interacting, I just saw a strange shadow float past my uh, my perception here. That was weird. Okay, so when I say lower vibrational state, many people are in that state when I right now because of how uncertain things are. Should we send kids back to school? Should we not send kids back to school? Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Let's fight about it because if you choose not to wear a mask, then you are part of the problem. If you choose to wear a mask, you are a stupid sheep. So let's just fight about it. Instead of recognizing that, hey, the people who aren't wearing masks are obviously afraid that the government is creating some kind of 
psychological warfare operation, which is highly possible, it's been done in the past, and are trying to manipulate and influence people's thoughts, behaviors, and actions. The people who are wearing the masks are saying, hey, there's a virus out there that may be deadly, that may, although it may not be a threat to me, I may be a threat to someone else, and I'm going to wear a mask because I don't want to get someone else sick or I don't want to get sick. At the end of the day, you've got people who are... And I don't mean afraid in a condescending way, but they're afraid, they're nervous, they're scared, they're concerned. Whichever word you want to use, insert that into the sentence that I just gave. But now what we're seeing is people getting angry because people are taking certain actions. Now you need to ask yourself, is this person's action hurting you or anybody else? Now, if you look at some of the science out there that could say, hey, wearing a mask will keep you safe, and you see people not wearing a mask, it's like, all right, well, they're not being too smart and too safe, and at the end of the day, they're going to go out and infect other people, it's going to overrun our hospitals, and yes, it's going to impact me. I can understand that. But at some point, you need to understand your Facebook post, your Facebook rant is not going to convince somebody to say, oh, you're right, I'm an asshole, let me put on a mask. It's not going to happen. We are all set in our mindsets right now. It's as if the lines have already been drawn and we're just screaming to just be heard. You know, when I was in Spanish class back, I think this was college, maybe it was high school, I read a story and the story was called En Blanco y En Negro. In black and white. Uh, do I want to say it in Spanish or do I want to say it in English? I'm going to paraphrase this story. I'll say it in English. And the story goes like this. One person screams, Black! Black, 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 black. Then there's a pause. The next person screams, White! White, 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 white. Black! White, black, white, black, white. It's like two pages of reading this dialogue. Black, 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 white, 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 white. Black, black, black. And then there's a pause. And then you hear at the very end, Amarillo, 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 amarillo. Yellow, 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 yellow. And then the story ends. That had an impact on me in thinking about it. Nothing else was being said except their side of the argument. Now, you can interpret that as race, or you can interpret that as fact. You can interpret that as someone's opinion or someone's value. You know, replace anything. Christian, Judaism, Muslim, 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 Muslim. Whatever you want to put in there. That's what's happening today. Everybody's screaming from their platform, but we're not really bridging the divide. Now... Now, the latest angry trend that I'm seeing, it's a very sad story. A young boy was executed. This young boy was white. And he was executed by a black man. And everybody who's posting about this, at least, is up in arms. And they're comparing the execution of this young boy whose name was Cannon, to the murder of George Floyd. Both murders were horrific events. Horrible. Both murders deserve justice. But before I go any... You know what? I want to come back to this. I want to, I want to ask you, what is justice because i wrote about this in my first book service i'll see if i can find the quote for you and, and read what i wrote about justice i want us to think about that term as i'm talking about this this young boy's murder was absolutely horrible but the posts i'm seeing i believe are misdirected anger and frustration because there has been no according to the postings no media outcry no publicized funeral nothing that george floyd got so i feel that the people who are on this campaign are using this as fuel almost to counterbalance the george floyd protests like saying well a white kid got killed and nobody's screaming about this so why are you why is it okay to scream about a black man that got killed they're both tragic 
And I've seen some pretty good retorts saying, well, this kid's killer was caught, he was arrested, and he was brought to justice. George Floyd's killers were sworn police officers and were eventually arrested, but they're still, you know, that's not over yet. Let's leave that there. So there are differences in this case. Very big differences. George Floyd was killed by the government. This young boy, Cannon, was killed by an angry person. And to those of you who may be sharing this content and this young boy, making this boy's face the face of your revolution, understand the line that you're drawing in the sand. Understand the message that you're portraying. Now, I've quoted this several times on my show, the quotes of Nietzsche. Be careful when fighting monsters that you yourself do not become the monster. For when you gaze long enough into the abyss, the abyss gazes into you. So I know there are people who are upset with Black Lives Matter. I know there are people who are upset with the handling of protests and George Floyd incidents and, and all of this that's going on in the world. And again, it's all tragic. It's all scary. It's all very sad. But now we have some of these people with these opinions... And I'm not saying that in a condescending way. You see, because of so many of you out there, I've got to tread so carefully on how I say things because heaven forbid I make a mistake. Then I got to worry about some of you breathing down my neck. And to be quite clear, I'm not talking about you, my listeners. There's just, it's crazy out there right now. Okay. So, We're using this young child's horrible murder as the counterbalance to George Floyd's. Like, well, George Floyd was killed and look at everything that we did. So now why aren't we doing the same thing in looting cities for this young boy? Well, number one, these two instances, incidents are not the same. They're both horrible. They both involve the murder of someone of one race by a perpetrator from another race. Now, from what I understand, The man that killed this young boy, Cannon, was a black man who was angry at white people and had no regard for people of the white race. And he executed a young child because that's that's one of the most emotional targets you can select is an innocent child. Now think about the anger and the pain that this man must have had in his heart to do something so horrible. I'm not defending him. But you need to ask yourself, do you want to solve problems in society or do you want vengeance? Because there is a difference between justice and vengeance. There is a very big difference between justice and vengeance. Justice restores balance. Vengeance satisfies your emotional need for revenge. There's a big difference there, my friends. And we're seeing a lot of these posts that I believe are coming from a place of vengeance, from people who are scared or angry or frustrated over the protests and the change and the emotion that comes with them. Your intentions may be pure in posting, hey, say his name, Cannon didn't deserve to die. But the tone and rhetoric I'm seeing is confrontational. Now, maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you are... I want to step back. When I say, again, I need to be clear. When I say you, I'm talking to the person that's posting these things. I don't mean you, the listener. And I want to be quite clear about that. But if you posted it, then maybe this applies to you. The message that that puts out there, when I see that, I I see that as race war. And when you post that, and you fuel that fire because of these horrible things that have happened, you need to be prepared for backlash. 
Now, what happens if by your posting of that, a white man who is already on the edge because he lost his job and is mad at the government and is now seeing the human trafficking stuff that's filtering through the internet and he's angry and upset about that and he's afraid of the pandemic and now he's watching the riots in the streets and now he sees a black man shoot a white child and all of the memes that say say his name and he says screw it I've got nothing to live for I'm engaging in this fight now and he goes and selects a random black child and executes him what next we're playing with fire you keyboard rangers out there don't understand what impact this is having on certain aspects of society people who are on the edge and looking for an opportunity to go enact harm and violence there are people who have been waiting for these moments to be violent so you may be putting out there say his name thinking you're bringing awareness to something but what you're doing is creating conflict within people and these posts may end up in more children randomly being targeted because it's such an emotional event that gets people's attention and i guarantee it's only a matter of time if that continues down that path when now when i'm out in the store with my kids that now causes or a person a black person's out in the store with their kids we are going to look at each other funny for no other reason than we know that there's 0.0001% of the population out there who are sickos who are going to target children and shoot them. And now, simply because of the color of our skin, we've done so well at not being racist towards each other all this time, but now what's most precious to us is being targeted simply because of the color of our skin. It made the problem worse. So please use caution when you're putting that stuff out there and pay attention to the energy stuff I'm going to get into as we continue on with this show. All right, here's my, uh, here's my quote from my book, Service. Justice is the illusion of revenge. Revenge is a product of selfishness. Selfish is a manifestation of greed. Greed is the cause of injustice and crime. Injustice equals justice. Justice is not just. Our criminal justice system is broken, my friends, and that needs to change. But what we're seeing now is a vigilante system out there that stands to undermine all of the freedoms that we have here in the country. Yes, not everyone enjoys those freedoms equally, and that needs to change. But what we have going now is turning us into the wild, wild west, and it is quickly eroding what we have as a due process system. Now, on paper, that system is a great protection to have. We can't be judged without a jury of our uh, a fair trial with a jury of our peers, where evidence can be brought up to against us, where we w can't be forced to testify against ourselves. It gives us a chance. Now, that system is broken. I want to be quite clear about that. It has been corrupted. There are racist elements in it. There are cultural biases within that system. But I believe that system can be improved upon. What I think is very dangerous right now is taking a video of somebody that's two minutes long of a 10-minute incident and passing your judgment on that person and then disseminating that on social media for millions of people to see and pass their own judgment that's then affecting livelihoods and will ultimately end up getting people killed if this continues. We need to proceed with caution on this. Now, human trafficking is horrible and it's scary. 
but I've been following a group online who is against the human trafficking, and I see a lot of partial stories being posted. I see a lot of... I'm starting to see pictures of people being posted because they seemed to be acting suspicious. Now, in law enforcement, I have over 11 years experience in law enforcement from the private sector to the military to the federal to the local level. We can't just arrest somebody because they look suspicious. We can't take away someone's freedoms because they look suspicious. You have to have reasonable suspicion, probable cause to investigate that person any further to determine that there's a reason to restrict that person's freedom. Most of you out there are not trained investigators. So you see something that seems shady, and maybe it is. But maybe that person is mentally ill. Maybe that person is involved in something else that has nothing to do with you, and your interpretation of it is based on your fear of what you saw on social media. And now you're taking their picture, and you're making them famous for something that had nothing to do with what your theory is. I'm now seeing people posting pictures and making threats about the harm they believe should come to these people. I saw people posting pictures of themselves holding firearms today, talking about suspected people involved in these heinous crimes. With, from my standpoint, no evidence. We're losing it. We are losing it. It's horribly scary because what we now have is a mob mentality. And I've put this out there before. I'm going to say it again. In 2016, I did a show called The Trump Effect. And it was about the energetic components that influence the mob mentality. This is the premise of my book, Food for the Archons. And it was relevant four years ago. And it's even more dangerously relevant today. And as we get closer to this election, the infection is going to spread fast like wildfire. Unless you can ground yourself and disconnect. I can't stress the importance of that enough, my friends. We need to ground ourselves and disconnect. We are going to continue to see things that are horrific. We're going to continue to see things that upset us tremendously. But stay out of the mob. Because you may find yourself doing things that are things you would normally never do. That things you may not want to do when you're in a different state of mind. It's infectious. It's scary. And that, I think, is the greatest threat. It's our greatest vulnerability. Now, I'm going to come back to energy in a little bit. I want to talk about I'm going to shift gears for a minute. I want to talk about some things going on in the world related to UFOs. Before I do that, I want to share a quick article from National Geographic. It's called Nano Needles Facial Recognition Air Travel Adapts to Make Travel Safer. It's by Jackie Snow, published on August 13th. Planes and airports are deploying futuristic emerging technology in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, on all my tech podcasts, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about the emergence of facial recognition and all this robotic and AI technology and the impact it's going to have on us. Yes, it makes life more convenient. But what we have right now, problem, reaction, solution. We have this fear-based coronavirus. It's dangerous. We don't want to touch each other. We don't want to get near each other. So now what's coming in to save the day? Well, the, the technology and infrastructure that's already there have been waiting to emerge because it fits perfectly to protect us from this dangerous, scary virus. Okay. I'm just going to read the, the headings here. And I want you to read the article on your own. I'm not going to go through the whole article, but the headings here. Robots keep things cleaner. I'm sure they do, and I'm sure they will eliminate human jobs, and I'm sure that that limits the risk of people being exposed to the coronavirus in an airport. 
Your face is your passport. How many of you have set up facial recognition on your phone? I caved. I did it. And my justification was, well, my face is already in a bunch of databases. It's already online. They already have my face scanned. So this helps keep my phone secure from your average person that may get a hold of my phone. It's not secure from, you know, very tech savvy people or government institutions. But uh, I, I caved. It's in there. Okay. Uh, health screenings become standard. Well, we have things like the HIPAA laws right now to protect us from sharing our private health information. But what happens when you want to go get on a plane and they scan you for a temperature and they say, you have a temperature? Well, now your private business is out there. Now, you may just have a temperature because you have the common cold, but everybody is now going to stare at you like you have the plague. Okay, and we're bringing this into schools. I know, I'm a teacher. This is happening right now. We're conditioning our children to, to give up this information that I think should be private, unless you're some form of cattle. We're not going to explore that any further right now. Mobile apps help travel go touchless. Now, I traveled to Vegas with the crypto viewing team last, uh, was it September? Oh my gosh, almost a year ago now. I think that's how long ago it was. And uh, maybe it wasn't September. October, November, I don't remember when it was. Anyway, I was in Vegas. And I used a lot of these mobile boarding passes and things of that nature. Again, because it's convenient. But it also further connects us and increases the data that's connect collected and used and sometimes against us. Uh, and then what other headline that heading that I want to read from this article? That was it. Okay, so check that out. Uh, we've been talking about this, the evolution infiltration of tech. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm not saying I don't use any of it. But we need to understand the consequences of this technology coming into our lives. Okay, I want to uh, shift gears now and talk about the UFO stuff. Hold on, let me log into my system here. All right, there's two articles I want to share. The first one here, Pentagon, this is from CNN, to launch task force to investigate UFO sightings. This was by Ryan Brown, August 13th, 2020. Pentagon is forming a new task force to investigate UFOs that have been observed by U.S. military aircraft, according to defense officials. Deputy Secretary of Defense David Norquist will help oversee the task force, which is expected to be officially unveiled in the next few days, according to the officials. Previous efforts to look into what the Pentagon dubs unidentified aerial phenomenon were led by US, the U.S. Navy as many of the documented encounters involved the aircraft. The DOD did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Members of Congress and Pentagon officials have long expressed concerns about the appearance of the unidentified aircraft that have flown over U.S. military bases, posing a risk to military jets. There is no consensus on their origin, with some believing they may be drones potentially operated by earthly adversaries seeking to gather intelligence rather than extraterrestrials. We don't know what they are at this point in time. Okay, there's a little bit more to the article. I'll have it linked in the show notes. But we don't know what they are at this point in time. There's a lot of speculation out there. I spoke to a friend of mine from high school uh, online about this. I still owe him a response. Um, it was late at night and then and he said something very profound to me that I, I haven't come across yet, but he quoted, I guess, a source that he had. And I need, I need to look further into this, but I want to get this out there to all of you. He said he doesn't know what to believe because this is out of his comfort zone. UFOs is not something he's really studied or looked into before. So he said he's having a hard time believing it because just because it's something that's so far out of anything he's ever pondered in our lifetime. But he quoted, he said... You know, I read that these things could be holographic projections that are designed to trick our radar and fool pilots. I need to find where that came from. If you have it, please send it to me. Because think about that. Why would that be important if these are holographic projections? Well, number one, that would say that these uh, maneuvers that defy the laws of physics aren't really defying the laws of physics because these aren't physical objects. They're mere holograms that can move as fast as we can shimmy our hand and holding a camera or a device, which allows them to move in these seemingly uh, gravity physics defying directions and turns especially if you have multiple devices projecting these holograms over vast distances. I don't know enough about it to say if that's an actual possibility, 
but we have talked about Project Bluebeam on this show. Bill Cooper, before he died, warned us of a false alien invasion using Project Bluebeam, which involved hologram technology. Is that what we're seeing here? Are these not drones, but mere holographic projections from a technology by some unknown entity that could be Earth-based human civilization simply to cause disruptions in military operations? Well, that's a whole lot different than aliens or inter-Earth species. Now, let me be the first to admit, I hope this is aliens or some new species that we don't know about. Because, like David Duchovny, I'm sorry, like Fox Mulder, I want to believe. I want to believe. I believe the truth is out there. And I want to see this disclosure in our lifetime. Why? Because it validates my worldview. It validates my fantasies. It validates my opinions, making me guilty of everything I just got done warning us against. But I want to believe. I want to believe that, they're, that it's true and that they're here. But I'm open to being wrong. Now, what if this is a holographic projection and this is Project Bluebeam and this is the seeds that are being used to confuse us and drive us into that next crisis mindset, state of fear, fight or flight. Here's our solution. There goes your freedoms. We don't know, but we need to keep an open mind. So, I know some of us in the community kind of look down on people who don't have an interest in this. Like, ah, oh, you sheep, you're just keeping your head in the sand and not looking into this. But this connection, this possibility came to me from somebody who's never really looked at this stuff before. And I said it on my first episode of the Secret Podcast when I relaunched the show several years ago. It was called The Flat Earth is Real with a question mark. I asked it as a question. Even if you adamantly disagree with someone else's opinion, there are things we can learn from them. That's why I try to listen to as much as I can as much opposing sides as I can, because sometimes we find, hey, that fits, and that connects something, and that changes my view a little bit, but it also fills in so many gaps for me. So, shout out to my friend John. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, but uh, you really inspired some thoughts and some connections. And if I said some things that are interesting of you, I have uh, multiple, multiple hundreds of hours of uh, free podcast content to go learn everything that I'm talking about there. All right, enough of that plug. So the Pentagon's investigating this even further. That's what this is saying. We've got some people in uh, pretty high positions that are acknowledging this and looking into this further. Now, going to unknowncountry.com, that's Whitley Strieber's website. Yesterday, this came out, August 15th, 2020. Quoting some of the work by Nick Pope. The article is titled, The Pentagon May Have Collected Biological Samples from Close Encounter Witnesses. Now, I know I covered this briefly, I don't know when, but I've talked about it, or I've read about it, because this sounds familiar to me, and this is important, because last week, my rant, or last show I put out my rant was, why aren't they addressing people who have reported abduction and close encounters? Because that hasn't been publicly addressed, and we still have not seen an official acknowledgement asking who or what is flying these planes. But I would expect a good investigator to want to look at people claiming to have been abducted or in contact with ETs or with this craft, because there may be patterns and evidence that can be collected from them. It sounds like that's what's happening. It's just not being publicized. So let's read this article from Unknown Country. It says the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program may have collected biological samples from close encounter witnesses according to UFO investigator Nick Pope, as part of one of the program studies that involved the effects of energy fields on living organisms. Now, this article does not go much more into that. Let me go back and say that again. As a part of one of the program studies that involved the effects of energy fields of living organisms. I read that, I think, smoking gun. If you've read Food for the Archons, you'll understand why this is exciting to me. It's also terrifying to me because it confirms some of what I've, been, what I've been saying for quite some time. 
Let's keep going. The study reportedly involved an investigation into injuries inflicted on witnesses during a UFO encounter in Brazil in the late 1970s, and at least one of the witnesses involved in the Rendlesham Forest incident. Now, when you look at the Rendlesham Forest incident, that's a fascinating thing that I've covered a few times, as the information that was downloaded into the witness's brain was presented in a form of binary. Linda Moulton Howe also has a great piece talking about the downloads and uploads of binary into people's minds, which lends credence to the possibility that we are interacting with some form of artificial intelligence. It also lends credence to the possibility that the language of this universe is constructed by an AI. What did I say about my belief system in the beginning? That we're living within some kind of giant AI matrix. You look in my book as I quote the work of... Dr. What the heck? Theodore Gates. Professor Theodore Gates, who was from the University of Maryland, said that when he was studying the equations that look at string theory, he found embedded within those equations computer code. Not just any computer code, error correcting code, which led him to believe that the Matrix movie may be an accurate representation of the world in which we live. That's his quote from 2011 in a panel called the conference on the theory of everything hosted by neil degrasse tyson look it up read the book it's fascinating so all this stuff is connected here now going back to the article from unknown country in an interview with the uk's metro pope referred to a quote made by dr hal Putoff doing a 2018 presentation in las vegas dr hal Putoff, if you don't know who he is is one of the founders of the remote viewing program at stanford research institute back in the 1970s dr hal Putoff has also done fantastic work with lasers and he is now one of the lead science advisors with the to the stars academy who is behind the recent disclosure events connected to the pentagon it's a private company but how put off is there doing the research here's his quote we as a part of this program looked at some cases that were really good for brazil in 1977 and 78 it was like close encounters of the third kind a thousand pages of documents all done by the brazilian air force investigative team 500 photographs 15 hours of motion film, a lot of medical injuries when people encounter these craft at close range. Now, again, if you haven't watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind, go back and watch it. Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a movie about contact. ETs interact with people. They upload information into their brains in the forms of images and songs that the people then have to interpret what that information means that then leads them to a specific location to have contact with these ETs. How many of us listening to this show right now get information that we refer to as a download in our mind that leads us down a rabbit hole of piecing things together? Where is it leading us? Now, the actor played by, I believe it was, was it Richard Dreyfuss? No, it wasn't Dreyfuss' character. It was one of the scientists. It wasn't Jacques Vallée. It was his interpreter's character. As they're taking these people who showed up at the location and were taken away by the military in a helicopter under the guise of this is a chemical spill, he shouts at them, but these people were invited. So that's something we need to think about. Are we dealing with a government that is trying to keep hidden from us the existence of a, an advanced civilization that is communicating directly with all of us in a subtle way where if we answer the call, we get a little bit more that's eventually leading us to contact and the government doesn't want us to know about it? That is a possibility. However... The paranoid brain inside of me also says, well, what if it's also the witch in Hansel and Gretel and we're being led into a candy house and under the guise of we're going to have this beautiful contact and then we're going to be eaten. So I honestly don't know. What I do know is that there seems to be a trail of breadcrumbs that are being left for us by who or what I do not know. And there seems to be someone else running interference for us. I don't know where to go from there at this point. Let's get back to this article. 
According to Pope, this statement is confirmation that the Pentagon's ATIP program looked not only at UFOs, but also at close encounters and alien abductions. When I hear that, I say, well, thank goodness, at least they looked at it, which I was pretty sure that they did, but nobody has acknowledged that yet. And this isn't even an official acknowledgement. This is just Nick Pope's opinion. Okay, I'm sorry, if Hal Putoff's saying this as well, Hal Putoff's a well-connected guy, but it's still not a direct official acknowledgement, in my opinion. All right. And many have been detailed in a still unreleased report included in a list of ATIP research endeavors titled Field Effects on Biological Tissues, authored by Dr. Kit Green of Wayne State University. Now, we covered some of Kit Green's stuff that came out in the leaked notes. Uh, I did a conversation with Daz Smith that's on here somewhere. You can find it. And I have personally covered the list of ATIP research endeavors where it was the requested documents by Congress, and it was a whole laundry list of stuff, and just by reading the titles of these things, you're going, holy shit, there's something big going on here. If this is the name of the title of this research document, wow, this is years ahead of us. All right, moving on, back to the article. He continues, Pope continues, I can't prove it, but from sources close to this, I'm almost certain that part of this work involved getting blood and DNA samples from close encounter witnesses, including at least one and maybe two witnesses to the UK's infamous Rendlesham Forest incident. I believe this was done in a way that disguised the fact that this was for a U.S. intelligence program, with witnesses being told that they were participating in a scientific or academic study. There are clearly extreme sensitivities about human experimentation, and all this is or should be tightly regulated after the scandal that followed the CIA's infamous MK Ultra mind control experiments. I'm sure the rules were followed, but if ATIP did acquire blood and DNA samples from Close Encounter witnesses, then I'm sure Congress will want to know how this was done and what was concluded. Hopefully, this is one aspect of the ongoing congressional interest in ATIP and the phenomenon more generally. So we could take this statement in a lot of different directions, but they're looking, he's comparing it to MKUltra. And I think the comparison he's trying to make is that U.S. citizens were experimented on without their consent or knowledge through MKUltra. And it drove some of them insane. It killed people in the process. So I think what they're saying here is, were these people unknowingly American citizens basically experimented on as their blood and DNA was taken without their knowledge as they were investigating this? I think I, I could go off the deep end rabbit hole. I'm not in the interest of time. Continuing with the article, physical effects on UFO witnesses was one aspect of the MOD, Ministry of Defense, intelligence assessment on the phenomenon known as a project condition. I'm sorry, Project Condigan but officially titled Unidentified Aerial Phenomena in the UK Air Defense Region. I helped set up this study, but had been posted to another MOD division by the time the assessment was completed. Project Condigan was an investigation into the UFO phenomenon conducted by the British government's Defense Intelligence Staff, DIS, in the late 1990s that included an evaluation of biological effects that UFOs might have on witnesses to the phenomenon. The report concluded that energy fields produced by ball lightning-like buoyant plasma formations and other plasma phenomenon are hypothesized to be able to induce perceptual alterations or hallucinations in close encounter witnesses. Let me say that again because this is a smoking gun connected to the book that I spent five years writing. Okay, I'm excited about this statement right here. I'm so excited I lost my place. The report concluded that energy fields produced by ball lightning, like buoyant plasma formations and other plasma phenomenon, are hypothesized to be able to induce perceptual alterations or hallucinations in close encounter witnesses. How do we translate that? The energy that's produced by these things has an impact on human energy that can cause you to hallucinate and have experiences that exist in your mind. The influence of human thoughts and perceptions through energy. I said it. I'm sorry. I'm excited that I said it. And now I'm reading it here. I just read this 10 minutes before the show. And this is huge, my friends. And this is what I've been saying is what we need to understand. 
We need to understand it. Okay. Let me calm myself down because I got too emotional. I should not be emotional. Here we go. One sentence in the final report read, The well-reported Rendlesham Forest Bent Waters event is an example where it might be postulated that several observers were probably exposed to UAP radiation for longer than normal UAP sighting periods, Pope said. If we can't study the UFOs themselves, then studying the effects they have is the next best thing. Obviously, that's got to include taking a very close look at people who claim to have had close encounters and perhaps even people who say they've been abducted by aliens. I told one such individual to give his blood and DNA to a scientist if he wanted, but to be aware that the ultimate customer was probably the government. I even joked that if he didn't want to give his DNA, he should be very careful about accepting a coffee and then leaving the cup behind, obviously, because I can then take your DNA. All right, now to follow up to that, I, I need to read a chapter that I wrote in my book. Food for the Archons. Here's my plug, friends. I am human food for the Archons. Humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. I'm sharing this because it's relevant, and I believe that it's important for us to understand this, and I'm going to tie this into what's going on with the protests in a minute. All right, this is the chapter called Energetic Powers in the final part of this book. Through the work of Cleve Baxter, we've learned that plants can perceive human intention and the emotional outputs of other organisms with their primary perception. Strieber's visitor spoke of an electromagnetic organ just above the skin that allows for psychic communication. The HeartMath Institute measured the electromagnetic signal generated by the heart that is capable of transmitting and receiving emotional data. Carlos Castaneda told us of the glowing coat of awareness. We've learned that psychic communication is possible and quite common, even if we're not consciously aware of the ongoing exchange between ourselves and our environment. We've been conditioned to tune out these signals and no longer consciously commune through this network, and therefore have lost touch with the world around us. We've lost touch with ourselves and, as a result, forgotten who we truly are. We've become weak and vulnerable to the manipulation of this field that has become a Trojan horse into our psyche that may be intelligently directed to influence our behaviors, our feelings, and our actions to the will of those in control. What would happen if we once again learned to utilize this sense? What would happen if we came to rely on our sixth sense as often as we rely on our sense of sight and smell? As remote viewing research has shown us from the Stanford Research Institute and the Farsight Institute, anybody can learn this technique. According to Whitley Strieber's visitor, this sense can be strengthened. According to Strieber's visitor, we can, quote, haunt God. Based on the research and testimony compiled in this book, it would seem that the electromagnetic field surrounding the human body would act as the perfect gateway for these invisible parasites to manipulate human thought and behavior. It is through this field that we are being manipulated to produce suffering, loneliness, and fear. It is through this field that we are controlled. It is through this field, however, that we find liberation, for we can use this field to change the negative flow into something positive. As Friedrich Nietzsche once stated, whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. And if you gaze long enough into the abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. Presently, many scream for revolution. They take to the streets and proudly shout in support of their cause or in opposition to their oppressors. Although the reasons may be benevolent, their pursuit of change builds tension and conflict. It charges the surrounding energetic atmosphere with stress and negativity, infecting those who come into contact with it, spreading negatively like an airborne virus. Although intentions may initially be noble, the rage of negativity blinds the masses from their benevolent objectives and festers like a plague. Revolutionaries and advocates for change may one day find themselves using the same tactics they are protesting in order to fight the oppressors using such tactics. In essence, they find they have become the monsters they are fighting. This could in part be connected to the electromagnetic field of emotion. If one was to gaze into this abyss of emotional energy long enough without grounding themselves in awareness and positive emotion, the abyss of emotion may then gaze into them 
and affect our thoughts, feelings, and actions while also creating a plethora of loosh in the process. When advocating for change, we should consider creating a change we want instead of fighting the force, instead of fighting the force of opposition. For as Dr. King stated, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate, violence multiplies violence, and toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. The chain reaction of evil hate begetting hate, wars producing more wars, must be broken, or we shall be plunged into the dark abyss of annihilation. That was from his poem, Strength to Love. In order to bring about peace, we need to become peace. We need not fight evil, for in doing so we run the risk of committing evil acts, becoming evil ourselves. Imagine a world where each individual town and municipality employed a small population of meditators. Their job would be to focus on peace and cleanse the energetic field in their given area. As we explored in this chapter, imagine if this technique was taught and practiced in all schools. The flow, the positive flow would be overwhelming and may play a major role in the reduction of conflict and suffering. It may eliminate the desire and even the need for protest and instead produce harmony among communities. Violence begets more violence. What can peace produce? That is the work. That is my life's work right there, my friends. And I see on what's unfolding today, so much captured in that one short chapter. I encourage you to get the rest of the foundation in that book. And yes, I apologize for giving a plug. But at the same time, I don't. Because I do believe that the information contained in this book is important and highly relevant and it will give you a foundation for what's going on in the world around us today. If you already purchased this book, thank you so very much. If you have read it, if you could please provide a review, that would be great. All right, let me stop giving the plugs here. Friends, there's more going on. And we're getting involved in fights and we don't fully understand the battlefield with which we have stepped. That's why I say take a step back and ground yourself. If you find yourself reacting from emotion, you may be in danger of not furthering your cause, but furthering a deeper, darker agenda. Be careful when fighting monsters, my friends. Be careful you don't become the monster. And don't let that abyss gaze into you. Step out. Ground yourself. Disconnect and stay the course. This seems to be very real. And it's affecting all of us. Take your time. Step back. Disengage. And be mindful of the frequency that you're projecting. And that's going to do it for this one, my friends. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. I said, empty your mind. Be formless. Shapeless. Like water. Now you put water into a cup becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. The water can flow, or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Be water, my friend.
be water, my friend, my friend, my friend.